I think a lot of times when we don't see young people in the church, we think that we have to go out and find them. Like that's that's important. But a lot of times you can trace back when they left and they left when they weren't a part of something. They were left when they were put into a box. They were left they left when they were told just to sit down and listen and let us show you how it's done. Welcome, everybody, to the Social Media Church Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Magnuson. I am not joined today by my co-host, Neil Smith, but I am joined today by a co-worker, the one and all youth pastor, Sean Lord. And I have Sean coming in because over the course, we're just, I was just about to say, we're just about coming out of, and that might not be true. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. Uh, Out of this COVID world, we're early 2021. And uh, everything that happened in 2020 with COVID really changed the way we do ministry. And those of you listening are keenly aware of how your ministry has changed and getting a front row seat to watching our youth department handle this pandemic. I have been waiting to have Sean on for quite some time, and I'm really excited for you guys to hear from him. Sean, welcome to the podcast, bro. Dude, thanks so much for having me, Aaron. Appreciate it. I'm just, uh, I'm really excited uh, about all the stuff that you've been working on, Sean. Do you want to, do you want to just introduce yourself and and maybe let people know? uh, Yeah, a short background, but, but kind of uh, get, catch us up to speed up to 2020. Yeah. uh, uh, My name's Sean. I grew up in Orange County, uh, did ministry there for a couple of years as a volunteer, leading a small group in youth ministry. I uh, got my first full-time position up in the Central Valley of California, kind of learned what it looks like to do mini- youth ministry in a mm-hmm. small town, in a smaller, more conservative uh, church. And then uh, from there came to one and all at the time it was CCV uh, back in the day. And uh, <clears throat> I came on as a junior high pastor and a year and a half ago, moved to the lead youth pastor role to where I oversee our youth ministry across our campuses. And so uh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah. A, a year and a half already uh, mm-hmm. that you've been the lead, the lead youth pastor of ONA. Um, yep. And uh, yeah. So I, I'm curious. We, I think the pastors who listen to this and uh, other thought leaders, we're always trying to reach the next generation. And Sean, you and I have had so many great conversations about, uh, about our youth. Uh, about youth in general, um, things that we're excited about, things that we're concerned about, things that uh, how we're going to handle this current state of the world that we live in, which is almost exclusively digital, uh, which I think naively a lot of us think, oh, great, now we're finally in the spot where all the youth are. Um, And I, I think that there's so much more uh, to that and so many more things to think about, especially now that everybody's there. Youth tend to, like a magnet, gravitate away from where uh, their parents and other adults are. And so uh, I just want to have a conversation today about how you've navigated uh, the pandemic, maybe the roller coaster that you've been on, the things you've learned. Because um, I, I also know that there's youth pastors who listen to this podcast. Uh, and so I, yeah, and lots of uh, senior leaders who maybe don't listen to their youth pastor, but they might listen to you. Uh, I just love to know kind of your experience, maybe some top level stuff, and then we'll dive into more specific stuff uh, from March 2020 to present. That seems so far ago. And I mean, yeah. I think there, I saw a lot of youth pastors when COVID first hit. First off, we thought it wasn't going to be this long, obviously. 
Right. And so a lot of us started sprinting right away and we started doing everything. I saw the amount of youth pastors and we did this where we were posting like our schedule for the week as if we were like a TV guide. And so we started posting like Monday, we're going to have this Tuesday, this Wednesday, like we're doing more stuff than ever and like blah, blah. And the crazy thing was we got really good turnout. That's when everyone was going live on Instagram. That's when everyone was, you know, all of a sudden hopping on Twitch. Like we were right there doing all of those things. And it was funny to see within three weeks, everyone stopped. Like a majority of the youth pastors I follow and stuff, they just kind of stopped. We stopped doing that. Um, and I, I mean, I could just confidently say between March and August, we didn't really know what we were going to do. I mean, we kept trying things and then failing. We started streaming a lot, like a lot of video games on Twitch and like trying to interact. And we saw a couple of people show up and then it quickly died off because we're not good at video games. Then we started doing, (laughs) you know, like a a pre-recorded service on Wednesdays that we would just host because that's what we used to do pre-COVID is we used to meet uh, youth would meet every Wednesday night and but it started feeling really repetitive. It was like, you know, pre-recorded worship and then a message. We started doing more panels and that was a little bit, but then that got old. So we just kept experimenting and like, what is going on? And we started really listening to feedback of our students. And one of the feedback that we got was uh, they have all at, at the time, they were like, we have like all of these different things at our disposal. Like we want something really raw, like, and they couldn't really articulate this, but what they're saying is they'd rather have lower quality, but have like authenticity, which is something that we yeah. know about Gen Z is that that's one of their cravings. And so we started doing like a live show. We literally turned one of our kids' rooms into like a live youth studio and it was super small. We couldn't have that many people in there. And we just built different backdrops. We had like yeah. handwritten stuff on a backdrop, little stage for worship. And we actually saw a huge spike in engagement uh, when we did that. And at the same time, we also changed uh, us just being fully having everything on Wednesday. Uh, Historically at our church, we've had our small groups meet on Wednesday. They would meet before service. Then we'd have like our normal program. And so we kind of threw that out the window too, because we realized people no longer were making Wednesday nights a priority. And so their schedules had changed. Their life was different. The amount of leaders we had that had different jobs now. Right. And so they didn't have Wednesday nights free anymore. And so we shifted um, our program to a live service. It was more raw. Uh, internet went out a couple of times. Audio would unsync. All those, you know, fun things that come with yes. that. But then uh, we also moved to have our small groups meeting on in different places. So all across in between our campuses, you know, we span, what, 40 miles between yeah. Rancho and West Covina. And so, I mean, we had small groups meeting all in between there, all different days of the week, some in backyards, some in parks, some on the church grass. Um, And we saw, we actually doubled our signups from the year before in small group signups, which is insane. Um, But it's because we we kind of just tapped into something that had been a need, at least for our students, um, that we've been kind of blind to until COVID hit and we were forced to adapt, you know? Totally. And you think uh, to, to kind of hunker down and drill down on what the need was that you're talking about, the need you weren't addressing was uh, like kind of an, we've talked about the, the live culture versus the on-demand culture where um, 
uh, at least my four-year-old and my two-year-old are growing up in a world where they can literally watch what they want when they want. Uh, they can like, they don't have to wait for anything uh, and they do what they want when they want it um, in regards to media consumption uh, and free time and those sorts of things. So I, I'm wondering, was it that you were, you moved from a model where it was like, everything happens on Wednesday nights, tough luck if you can't make that uh, to just kind of meeting them and their schedules where they're at with this more fluid schedule uh, of being able to eat. And I, and I'm curious about uh, the answer to this because you guys actually went from producing something that was on demand to something that actually is live right. uh, at a, at a certain time on the internet. But, but what need exactly did you meet that you weren't meeting before? Yeah. So I, I'd say, a couple. Uh, the one we ex- there's some we expected and some we didn't. So one of them was, um, it's easy to come on a Wednesday night. We were a large ministry at the time, averaged you know about. It's not about numbers, but just can get context. But like we average about 450 across our two campuses, right? And it's big enough to where it's really easy to come and no one talk to you, and then for you to sneak yeah. out. And people totally. will. What I've found is people will want to go to that for a little bit. But eventually they won't feel known. They'll have no buy-in. They'll have no one notices when they're gone. And so um, that's not how you get someone to stick for a long time. Right. And what happened was with our small groups meeting, it gave our small group leaders way more ownership to where when a student misses, they get a text and they get a text of like, hey, we missed you this week. And they're like, oh, like this isn't about you attending something. This is about you being part of a community, you know? And so that that was something that we've always known, but we didn't so realize good. how much even having our small groups on Wednesdays by having it a part of that program, yeah. it became something that people just came to and weren't a part of. And that's so right. that's what that really, and on top of that, you also have COVID, which in a lot of ways exasperated the need that people already had, you know, totally I, feel I want- disconnected. Yeah. I want you to say that quote again. Uh, and as my team is editing this podcast, they should make a graphic out of this quote. I, I loved what you said, and I'm not going to articulate it exactly how you said it. So I want you to say it again. You you said something to the effect of um, the youth ministry and frankly, anything that we do. So as a church leader, you need to be thinking about your congregants, your churches in this context. It's not something you attend. It's a community to be a part of. Is that what right. you said? Yeah, probably. The quote again. I don't know. You go back and clip it. You know, I don't know. Yeah, they need to go back and clip it. Uh, yeah. But I, I think that, like, if you li- if you hear anything or share anything from this podcast, or as you're sharing this podcast, that is the one fundamental shift that I think Sean, you and your team has found that is bigger than digital, but it is also absolutely fundamental to any digital strategy. And that is understanding that the numbers are people and those people are looking for a place to belong. And that can happen online and offline. But if you are not um, just dedicated and diligent about building a community, not something for people to watch or attend, but building a community uh, you're going to continue to fight this battle that oh, everybody fought at the beginning of COVID where it's like, oh, we tried this. Now we got to do something new, got to do something new, got to do something new until you run out of ideas. And really people stop paying attention because the new stuff, like even just the concept of this is a new thing wore off. It wasn't until you started texting people and essentially calling them out by name right. uh, that that engagement increased, the buy-in increased. Uh, so I'm curious about um, maybe 
if you have more thoughts on that yeah. specifically actually building a community. Yeah. So I think, so, I mean, just kind of emphasizing that line of like, it's not something to, to that you just come to with something you're a part of Yes, is another part of is especially for senior leaders. I think it's so important to not view like that's, that's important, but yes. a lot of times you can trace back when they left. And they left when they weren't a part of something. They were left when they were put wow. into a box. They were left. They left when they were told just to sit down and listen and let us show you how it's done. When they are this next Gen Z is the generation that um, will be the future. I mean, they are like in, when I say the future, um, I mean that like the future of technology. The amount that my nephews know about technology, and my nephew could start a YouTube channel and grow it because of YouTube videos he's watched in like instantly. And yes. so another thing we found is by moving our service live, it wasn't even so much that it was live because we got way more of our views afterward, but we got a ton of our students involved. And so we have, we went from having a couple students who would help with lights and production, but now we have students who are managing our pre-show that we have. They're helping us, like giving us feedback about like, hey, this series I don't like it, you know, or like, Hey, this doesn't make any sense. And they're, they're at the forefront and we're, we're really doubling down on that. And so they're not just a part of it in the sense of like, Hey, give me a suggestion. They're making it because this generation is the first generation that doesn't want to consume. They want to like, they want to actually be publishers, right? They're like the publishing generation. And you know, that's a spiritual principle we talk about, right? Man. That's what we always say. Craig Rochelle says it all the time, right? Like we're supposed to be uh, spiritual contributors, not consumers. Right. And yep. here we have this generation coming up that loves to create content, that loves to like go out. And that's the, the next missionary field for them is them being yes. open about their faith. You know, you see people, you know, like Justin Bieber, who all of a sudden has become a youth pastor on Instagram, you know, right. like he's posting about his faith and stuff like constantly. It's like students see that and they're like, oh, that's how I can share about my faith too, not just yes. in my classroom. And so I think it's, it's the, it's made us go more personal with text messages, like, you know, going, what do you call it? Like going dark? What, what do you, you have like a word I, for it? I did run. It's not my word. I did run across an article. It's, it's dark social media, which okay, is yeah, yeah. stuff is being shared in DMS instead of commented on and shared publicly. Exactly. Which that's, we know, we again, notice the importance of that in our community, yes. getting them plugged in, but also by engaging our young people and are like, Hey, here are, cause the church is, you look historically, I don't, I don't want to do a TED talk right now, but you look historically. No, you do a TED like, talk, bro, because you're figuring <laughs> stuff out for the yeah. next generation that a lot of us haven't, and, and we need to be listening. Here, here's where we lost our way. Look at like the, for centuries, the church was the place that produced the most beautiful music in the world. The church was the place that because when people heard this music, they were like literally hit with the wonder and beauty of God. And we now enter a place to where churches to stay relevant have invested in like really good technology that could be used and leveraged to reach people online. But young people don't want to see me as the person and they don't want my ideas of how to reach because I'm outdated already. I'm 35. I might as well be 65. Like I'm like, (laughs) bro, I'm 29 and I might as well be 60. Exactly. And, um, And so I think we are, this is again, I feel like a new era to where we have the resources we have, we understand why this is so important. And I'm really confident. You even look at colleges like Biola. I don't know how familiar you are with Biola, but they have 
a phenomenal film program. And like stuff like that gets me really excited because that's the, that's the future is like we, the church again, I think has the potential to become the, the source of a lot of beautiful things that go into the world. Um, yes. When they have so many content creators, the church could really produce like just well-produced thought out written um, stuff that, that could really impact people around the world. Um, That's right. Yeah. yeah. Sean, that is, that is so good uh, for as much talking as you and I have done over this pandemic and just in general, since we've been working together, uh, this is not where I thought the conversation was, would go. Uh, <laughs> but I love that God is guiding the conversation because yeah. this is, this is what needs to get drilled down on. And it, and it's ultimately, I love what you talked about, um, about how this next generation is going to engage uh, with their faith and how that plays out online. And I, I'm, I'm realizing right now, a lot of our conversation at thought, as far as thought leaders go in the digital space is creating, uh, is creating more content. Um, and you are talking about a fundamental shift where yes, create content because there is a level of, okay, I see my pastor has a YouTube video and I see Justin Bieber doing his thing, not preaching, but doing his thing, also incorporating his faith. And I'm watching this uh, YouTube streamer who has nothing to do with Jesus at all, but I, I really like how he's creating those graphics. I like how he has his head and I like the overlays and the stuff that he's using. And they take all of this media that they've consumed and then they wanna go out and create. And our role isn't to create more things for them to consume, but rather give them a platform to start exercising mm. their strong desire to create, produce for I, whoever is going to watch right. the next Gen Z uh, pastor. Uh, start honing their craft of teaching, maybe. Start honing their craft of video editing. Start honing their craft of um, copy, like writing for social media, whatever it is, for anything digital, blog. So I'm curious, Sean, as you you made this transition, and it wasn't about the live service. I, I've actually never heard you say that. I knew that um, people were way too fascinated with, oh, Sean's doing a live service. Maybe we should go back to that. And I said, no, I don't think you understand why Sean is doing yeah. a live service. Um, but I didn't actually, we haven't talked about this yet. And so it's really cool to hear. We did a live service because there was youth that could be involved in that process. And for anybody listening who's run a live production of anything at any scale, you know, it takes at least three people. Oh, uh, and, in, and in our case, quite a bit more. Um, but those, those are roles. Someone's learning how to use a camera. We, our church bought a jib, uh, which is, uh, if you're not familiar with the jib, YouTube that. People have to learn how to run that. Um, and, and there's people on stage, stage hands. There's, there's uh, people in the band, right? All of these roles that can be played. And, and Sean, you said, and we're not going to play those roles. Uh, we're going to play some of them, uh, but we're right. we're also going to bring in the youth so that they're making something for them. It, it reminds me of like the the uh, a FUBU mentality for us by us, yeah. um, and Gen Z wants a FUBU mentality of for us by us, uh, which increases their willingness to invite, to share, to engage with because they have a vested interest in what they contributed. All of that is great. What is the first step, Sean, besides maybe identifying uh, who your seniors are or whatever age people start to die off and stop engaging with your church? What is that first step to involving them, the younger generation, Gen Z, whatever you want to call it, however young you go, what is that first step to involving them? Like, how did you jump into that? 
Yeah, I mean, luckily, we've always had uh, a culture, especially with our worship team, where our worship team has always been phenomenal at engaging young people and making it so easy for them to step in to serve. Um, and so I feel like we kind of we started off on a better foot than I think a lot of people do. Um, but I think, yeah, like, like you said, you have to identify who it is. Uh, we know statistically, um, basically every year that a kid grows up, um, if you look at a trend line of when people start leaving the church, it basically just steadily goes down from the time they're born. <laughs> so like wow. literally as they go, so they're there because they're literally in their stomach, in their parents' womb, they have yes. to be there. And then yes. at that after it's downward. That's yeah. Crazy. And, there's, and there's pivotal moments and there's obviously exceptions to this, but by and large, um, like as each year goes on, attendance goes down and, uh, but there's a couple moments where it really drops. And one of those is going into high school. And one of those is like junior year of high school. Interesting. So usually historically, that's been like when they, you know, enter into high school, it's different. They're trying to fit in, but junior year, usually that's when they start getting their license and now they have freedom. They don't have to go to the thing that they were, you know, forced to go to. And so, um, to me, honestly, this starts like way back into junior high. Like if you don't, uh, I, so at my last church, our lead pastor knew pretty much every single junior high student by name. Like he knew we probably had 30 to 40 junior high students. He knew them all by name. He knew what they were about. He understood. And that made my job so much easier. Um, and so if you're a youth pastor listening to this, um, just get junior high students around your lead pastor. Um, if you're a lead pastor, Go up to your youth pastor and just say, like, I want to start knowing some students. I think that's the first step is not just identifying, but getting to know them. And every group is different. Like our group of students, you know, in San Dimas and Rancho and West Covina is different than it would be even an hour away from us. You know, talking to, um, you know, down in Riverside or something is a completely different culture of students. And so their needs, we don't know if they'll be met until we actually get to know them and to hear what they're about. That's the first step. And when you get to know them, you start seeing what their gifts are, what their talents are, and you can start building things around them. Um, And once they're a part of that, then that you can see that trend start to shift. Yeah, that's 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 incredible. That's a great first step. Uh, And so I I would ask um, (laughs) for all the pastors who are connecting their own dots, listening to this right now and saying, oh crap, that means I need to be on Snapchat and TikTok. Nope. uh, Can you, can you debunk one of I want two things to happen uh, in this next little bit that you share with us, Sean. I, the first one is, can you debunk what youth actually want? Uh, and I, I know that part of that answer is going to be this, and I really want you to drill down on this. And we talked about this in a previous podcast, uh, the One and All podcast, another podcast that I run for our church, um, about one of the core values to ONA is to be original and authentic. Um, and that authenticity piece is more of what I'm emphasizing. Uh, so I'm curious what debunk how youth and Gen Z actually want to be engaged with. And maybe it is TikTok and and Snapchat in some cases, like I'm not diminishing that, but I'm also saying that's not the only place that they are. They're in lots of other places. Uh, how should you start engage besides having conversations face-to-face maybe, or over zoom in this day and age, debunk that first part. And then also talk about a little bit specifically about the authentic piece. Yeah. So, um, perfect example of this is I had a leader, um, when I was up North, his name was Charlie Brown. That's his real name. Uh, Charlie, he went Brown. By Charlie Brown. He's my hero. Um, him and his wife, Cindy are like my favorite people in the world. Wow. They're awesome. 
But Charlie was one of my junior high leaders. And Charlie, I think, was in his mid to late 60s. And wow. he is, imagine Charlie Brown at that age. That's what Charlie was like. He, nice. I mean, just so many crazy life stories. He was in the army. He almost got kicked out a couple of times. Like he was just the funniest person. And what I learned from Charlie is, I mean, students would flock to him because wow. he wasn't, he didn't show up in skinny jeans and a bunch of tats. He showed up as Charlie Brown and he would show up in a sport coat sometimes because he came straight from work. He was an insurance salesman. Um, I mean, what I learned from him is authenticity is students, especially Gen Z. We know this from research is like they just want authenticity. You can look at it in the way that they um, like the way that design works right now and how chaotic it looks and stuff yeah, is people just right. want something that's authentic. And so I think sometimes youth pastors feel like, and because we follow youth pastors that look way cooler than us and right. talk cooler than us and have better sermon illustrations or whatever. And we look at that and we look at, you know, oh, I'm supposed to be like Stephen Furtick. I'm supposed to have this really like hip image that's like polished. And most of the time students just want to get to know you um, and they want to know who you really are. And they can spot a phony from really far away because they yes. see him all day long. And so when they, they have such a good detector because they see how many fake people there are in the world. That's right. Um, and Particularly so the second, digitally. Exactly. And so the key isn't to be on Snapchat and on Instagram necessarily. If that's not something you're interested in doing, I would encourage you to at least be familiar with it and stuff. But that isn't the number one scenario. A lot of times they just want to connect with you relationally and they want you to be authentic. That's what they're really craving. Um, yes. I mean honesty moment i haven't made a regular post on instagram since september okay like and Man. i'm <laughs> we're getting real we're getting sorry, real bro. right now Sean. i'm sorry dude but you posted to your stories you yeah, post, I post to your my stories. stories yeah yeah pretty consistently but uh did i need to ask you did charlie brown have a myspace <laughs> uh i i think he was too old for myspace even i don't think oh, he had a myspace crazy. i'm pretty that's sure crazy. he had a juno email address i'm not that's even making incredible. that up do you know juno so I do. My parents yeah. had a Juno email. Yep. Yeah. That is amazing. <laughs> so he had, he had email. He was too old. For he had a flip phone. He did yeah, not have he... a top 10 list. No. Nope. Uh, or and top he, five. He was, I don't even he remember. Was my, was. He was one of my best leaders. Hands down. That's incredible. Yeah. I really appreciate uh, what you, what you say. And especially for our generation. And I think even worse for, for the, the generation, maybe 10 years older than us. Uh, who, uh, not a knock, are the senior pastors and lead pastors of churches today um, are also bombarded with a ton of media. And, and, the, and the filter that it goes through, or maybe the filter that it doesn't go through is, okay, I don't have to copy these guys. I need to learn tactics from them. And maybe that's just like learning, oh, they're putting their videos on YouTube. Maybe I should be putting them on YouTube, uh, but not change the way you dress, not change, not change who you are, right. um, but do uh, be authentic. And I, and I love that word of advice because we talk about a lot of things on this podcast and, and we've talked about TikTok. We talk about Snapchat. We talk about the new things that come uh, out. There's the, you and I, before we hopped on this call, Sean, uh, is it, what's it called? How, not house party, clubhouse. Uh, clubhouse. Yep. 
There's a new app called Clubhouse. Nils and I will probably do an episode on that. But all these things are constantly coming out. And one of them or a few of them might resonate with you and who you are. And those are the ones that you should double and triple down on. Uh, and if it doesn't resonate with you, I was on TikTok for a while. I made probably like 200 videos as I was learning and trying to understand how it happened, which has helped me in Instagram Reels. Made a really funny Christmas video of my kids opening uh, bumper balls. But uh, it, I, I, don't, I don't need to be on TikTok. Like that's, it, I don't have something that's authentic to who Aaron is to contribute on TikTok. And so I'm not on there. Uh, and that's just a really great reminder that, doesn't disqualify me from getting to know somebody in ONA, in my context, in your context, it would be for whoever else is in your um, youth department. You don't have to be on TikTok to get to know them. Um, you can uh, understand why they're on there uh, and understand how they're engaging on there. But you, like Charlie Brown, can engage them in a personal way without being on TikTok. So understand these things. There's value in listening and, and hearing those and I ramble on about things that we care about. But ultimately, it's being true to you, figuring out the platforms that you can be on uh, to leverage that influence. And you reach the next generation by doubling down on who you are, not who you watched on YouTube uh, before you preach your sermon or during the week or who's pouring into you, those sorts of things. Uh, Sean, Anything else that you want to share uh, with the pastors listening? Maybe maybe something that you're focused on, maybe something that you're trying to figure out uh, and what you're working towards now as we head into 2021 when things still aren't different uh, and there's kind of a new normal, um, whatever, yeah. whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah, I'll just, I mean, just really quick, I'll just briefly kind of talk about what we're dreaming about right now. And I'd say, cool. um, you know, Stephen Furtick has a line of like you like eat the fish, spit out the bones, right? Like, that's not his yeah. line, but like he, <laughs> I hear him say a lot. Yeah. Um, but you know, one of the things we stole from Church of the Highlands that uh, that we're implementing this year is, uh, you know, their church is, I mean, really good at getting people to move in their next step. That's what they're really good with their thing called growth yes. track. And then also with their small groups that they have a different mentality that their church isn't a, a church with small groups or a church of small groups. That's a huge yes. culture change. And so that's something we've taken into and kind of stolen from um, and made it our own is that we, you know, going forward in 2021, have this weekly live service that will be run by students. That's what we'll base our community groups off of that will meet different days, different times. Um, but when it comes to like our students meeting outside of the weekend, which I want my students going on the weekend, right? Like our, our lead pastor isn't their parents' lead pastor or my lead pastor. It's their lead pastor. Like, like in our context, Jeff is their lead right. pastor. I want them hearing yes. from him. Um, but then we're going to be doing these things uh, once a month uh, called One Nights, where we're going to be getting together the first Wednesday of every month. And it's all campuses in one location. So it's all really emphasis on the one, right? And we used to have One Nights before. We did them three times a year. So we already have this culture built up. But, you know, our church has this uh, philosophy of the one life, which is like to invite this one person. Yep. And so the whole point of that is a momentum builder to get students to invite their friends to that. Um, the students that are making our live service each and every week, they will have huge impact on that night and really um, making sure it's relevant, that it's uh, on pulse to what this generation is needing. Um, and uh, it's just going to be a huge, uh, awesome outreach night people are going to be inviting their one life and they're going to be hearing about how they can take their next step whether that's accepting jesus that night whether that's joining a community group um whether that's serving whether that's going on a serve trip you know whatever that is um 
And it's something that we've dreamed about and tried to figure out how to fit this in our context without just stealing what someone else is doing. Um, yes. And I think that's what we're most excited about. And that's what I encourage anyone to do is not just take what we're doing, not just take what the church, yeah. what some other church that you've read about is doing, um, but instead like really praying like, God, what is, what are we uniquely gifted to do? What is, what are our unique um, areas that we need to reach? Like who are the people in our community that we need to go after and how can we do that well? Yes. Um, and this is after years of us praying and COVID kind of forcing us to fast track yeah. it, you know, of us getting into that place, which I'm super pumped about. Yeah. Sean, I, I do have one more question off the back of that. That's, that's a, I love the innovation that has come out uh, of uh, COVID and uh, there's lots of innovation yet to be seen because of the foundations that are being built right now. And part of that found you, you kind of just told us the foundation uh, and, and, and what you're trying to build upon the foundation you're building for the future with this idea of it's not my pastor as your youth pastor, it's your pastor as well. Um, I'm curious how, what are you dreaming about digitally? And I know we just spent a ton of time talking uh, about be authentic, uh, but I am curious specifically digital, we're, we're looking at the first generation that is growing up exclusively digital. Like it's just yeah. ingrained in the fabric of who they are. As we as church leaders start thinking about how to engage, not just authentically with those platforms, what what is a helpful way to actually engage with it that the next generation needs us to do? Yeah. So I think, you know, I, uh, got to spend time uh, with this guy named James Meehan, who runs all the creative stuff for Life Church, their student ministry. And uh, he talked about how what he sees is a lot of youth pastors, a lot of youth ministries making content that is, uh, you know, like it's eating hot wings or it's doing a lot of yeah. things. It's like replicating. It's almost like the 90s again, yes, where they're like just taking music and being Weird Al and changing, right? And that's the church <laughs> is just Weird Al. Um, and he said, I, I think we're missing this opportunity of us, like, and we're losing our niche. And so I think that mm. our digital content should be a direct uh, flow from our niche as the church and what we want to give the world. And so part of that, as we look out, you know, one of the things is we started a podcast. Yes. And the reason for that wasn't because the world like necessarily needs another youth podcast. Um, but what we found with our students and as we, our church is growing globally, um, we found that there are a lot of times where I've had conversations with especially juniors and seniors as they're starting to really question their faith or as they're starting to really unpack what their faith really means to them is they want a place where they can ask real questions. They can have real conversation. They can yeah. bring up real objections. We aren't going to tie everything up in a nice bow at the end. And they want to be able to have, um, and, and not in the context of a sermon, they want to have a conversation um, about stuff. Yes. And so we started a podcast where we can do that. That's one of the biggest things I'm most excited about. And we did it video um, so that people can watch it on YouTube. Yep. I, I personally love to watch um, my podcasts if I can. Yep. Um, and so we have that. And then uh, that's like my biggest thing that I'm excited about. And then our live services, obviously, is our yes. digital strategy. And our goal right now, we have about 40 people that serve to put our Wednesday night uh, live service on. And I would say about 15 of them are students. So out of that yeah. 40, 15, uh, my goal is to make, to have that number up to 30. Like I want 30 of out of the 40 to be students. That's and so awesome. that's my goal is to make that more and more student run to where I'm literally just walking in giving a message and leaving. 
you know, yeah. like that, that would be like the goal and that they are behind cameras. They are the ones like doing sound. They are on the, the worship team doing all those things. Um, and that gives real life consequences because then that is, is giving them talents that they'll be able to use in yes. the church for the rest of their life. That's right. You know? Yeah. So yeah, I, I love that. It, just kind of bringing it back to the, the digital strategy is less about what's happening once it's posted, but it's more about how is the product being created before it's posted. And that's where you actually uh, gain the influences. Are you, do you have designers on your team that are youth? Do you right. have uh, people in front of, or I should say behind the camera and in front of the camera uh, teaching and delivering content that are youth. And you also brought up a really key point. Are you meeting those needs of that younger audience? And those needs are, where can we wrestle out our faith and what tools are you giving me? Uh, and in a lot of ways, digital, almost exclusively digital. I mean, YouTube university, they, this generation is learning everything about the world, uh, or at least 90% of what this world right. is through digital. So are we teaching them about Jesus? Not through sermons. Are we teaching them? in addition to sermons would right. be a better way to say it, uh, how to unpack, engage and wrestle with their faith. Uh, and I'm just, I'm really excited to see what the ideas are that come out of these youth leaders like yourself that are leading the charge in this digital space, doing it thoughtfully. Uh, the last question I want to ask you, Sean, for our audience, uh, because you and I have talked about this so many times, the social dilemma comes out. Uh, and the misnomer is that it's a bunch of old people that are scared, but really there's uh, uh, the, the youth in a lot of ways uh, have moved off of digital either because it's too inauthentic. They just can't handle it. They just, they'd rather be somewhere else uh, or because they're digital all the time and their whole lives are digital, especially in this season that they would just rather have the pendulum swing the other way and have a break. But what is one thing that Sean Lord does that maybe somebody listening would benefit from that helps you set that digital boundary? Cause we're going to help people engage the best they can online, but I yes. am passionate about also helping them sustainably do that. And so what is one tip or hack or life hack that you use to help that social dilemma stay in check? Yeah. So I turn off all notifications and my phone is on do not disturb at all times. Wow. That's all times, all times the, you can set it to where the only person or the only people that can get through to me are my favorites. They can call me. And so that's my mom, my sister, and my wife. That's, those are the only people that can call me. Um, if there's moments where I'm like expecting a phone call, I can turn it off and stuff like that. But that has been a game changer of me. My phone never vibrates in my pocket and I don't get random. And it's uh, beyond the spiritual component of it, just from a practical standpoint, someone else, especially because I have an Apple watch. Yes. You're giving someone the ability to tap on your wrist whenever they want. Like I wouldn't yes. let anybody do that. I don't like, why would I allow somebody from around the world to be able to wherever I'm hanging out with, you know, my baby and someone's tapping on my wrist and saying, no, I need your attention. It's like, I don't care if you want my attention, right? Like I, I want to determine when I'm going to access those things. And so That's those right. are my big thing. I tell everybody that put on, do not disturb, check it when you're ready and turn off all notifications. Uh, turning off notifications was a game changer for me. I am not as strict as you are. I am contemplating it uh, at this point, but that that's a big, that is a big deal. Uh, there's a lot of people that you interact with. Uh, you have a very important role. There's staff that report to you. Uh, and to have that in that fashion at all times, 
uh, yeah, I'm, I'm challenged by that, Sean. I hope some of our listeners are challenged by <laughs> well, that as well. Can, can, it's can sustainability. Just, it, let me make you feel better about it. I've been doing this for probably two years now um, where I have my phone on, do not disturb at all times. Way um, ahead I, of the social dilemma. Oh, dude, I, yeah, I told you this is the social dilemma came out and I was like, I, this is what I've been talking about, yeah. <laughs> you know, like forever. Yeah. Um, and people said I was crazy because I'm a psych nerd. So I love reading like yes. psychology stuff. And so, yeah. um, but here's the thing. It, there have been maybe two times where um, someone was like really trying to get a hold of me, but they figured it out, right? Like, and they, they yes, and at the long, and it's just this. If you were to go back just ten years, we still had smartphones, but we didn't have this expectation yes. that someone would respond to me instantly, instantly, right? Totally. Like, and we have this like a little bit of freedom with email. But for some reason now, a text message, like you have to respond right away. Totally. And that's just not okay. And so and or you eventually, get an email and then someone texts you, did you see my email? <laughs> right. Yeah. So I don't play that. Yeah. <laughs> I right. don't play that game. And eventually yes. people learn that, totally. oh, Sean will just get back to me when he has time. And I will say, this means you also have to be a really good responder. You have to be able to text the second you do see it because it could be four hours. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's drastically changed my mental health, my... Um, that phantom vibrate syndrome, you know, totally. that people talk about, I don't get that anymore. Um, that's yeah, amazing. Huge for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sean, thank you so much for your time, for your uh, leadership of our church. And uh, in, in a lot of ways in this season, the opportunities you've had to lead the capital C church uh, in youth ministry and your team taking so many calls, uh, people asking, what are you guys doing? How are you doing it? Uh, and so just really great season. So glad to have you on. We're definitely going to have you on again. We already have uh, a topic uh, to talk about in the future, just with some differing opinions, because Sean's opinion is not the only opinion in youth ministry, True. but um, definitely all conversations worth having. Uh, Sean, just really appreciate you being on the podcast with us today. Um, Thanks for having me. We'll have you on again soon. soon. Yeah. And if you're listening to this, wherever you're listening to this, uh, if you've been inspired by this conversation, take this link, share it with somebody who also needs to hear this conversation. Uh, Pastors, not pastors, if you're in the business of trying to reach the next generation uh, with whatever you're doing for Jesus, you there's so many things you can learn from this uh, about being authentic because that plays out everywhere in the church and outside of the church. Uh, But yeah, hit subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen as well. That helps us spread the word about great conversations like these. And until next time, Social Media Church, my name is Aaron, and this is the Social Media Church Podcast.